0: happening now. We want to welcome our viewers from from somewhere across the United States and around the world. This is the EdTech Situation Room. Good morning, good day, good evening. This is EdTech Situation Room, episode number 284. Wow, 284 on February 8th, 2023. My name is Jason Neifer, and I am the Executive Director of Montana Digital Academy, which is Montana State Virtual School, located on the beautiful University of Montana campus, located right here in Missoula, Montana, in maybe getting a little warmer western Montana. Hard to say for sure. It did get up to 40-something the other day, um, and it's February, so we have plenty of winter left. But uh, at this time of year, most of the people of Montana are just quietly hoping the spring comes soon. And joining me tonight as always, good evening, Dr. Wes Fryer. How are you tonight, sir?
1: Good evening, Jason. I am fantastic. Joining you from Charlotte, North Carolina, where we have been enjoying a wet winter but a blissfully warm one relative to the rest of the country i am an innovation teacher in the middle school at charlotte uh, in charlotte north carolina at providence day school teaching engineering design media literacy and robotics this year and i am so appreciative to you jason because you have basically done all the work and i think i literally added two of approximately 400 links that we have to talk about tonight so Good stuff. What are we up to tonight? Or should I say um, that?
0: Most of our stuff tonight is the rabbit holes that we usually find ourselves in. So there is a lot of social media tech correction news. There's also a lot of uh, AI news. Um, I feel a little bad that we've been kind of overly obsessed with AI maybe the last five or six weeks. But to be honest, I, I have just never seen a technology since the wide availability of the internet that I think has the potential of really changing just about everything. And the fact that there are so many corporations right now clamoring for a piece of the space, I think, tells me that I am likely correct about that. But um, tonight, we will take a look at uh, a couple of topics. We will probably jump down a couple rabbit holes with AI and social media and our so-called tech correction. There's some interesting Google news out there, and then we also have some media literacy stuff we'll go into but um, unlike past weeks where we've kind of saved AI in case it sucked up all the oxygen in the room, hey, we're just going to pull off that Band-Aid first tonight. So um, uh, a lot of interesting things going on. Let's start with maybe some of the, the headlines and then maybe some of the deeper stuff that that we can go into. So um, there. Well, let's start with the big news, which is that Bing um, is is going to start integrating ChatGPT directly into it. And there are several articles that, that kind of talk about this. Um, first is the New York Times I uh, shared a GIF link uh, that, where they say that Bing, yes, Bing, just makes search interesting again. Um, and they kind of talk about some of the interesting things that that they've experienced um, when looking at betas for this. And it is Kevin uh, Ruse that is uh, uh, writing this article. He writes a lot of the tech journalism for the New York Times. This is certainly uh, a high-powered j- journalist that's kind of digging into this. But yesterday, uh, Microsoft announced that uh, they're rolling out a beta now of AI-powered Bing. And what's so funny about this article is that it kind of does the same thing that Dr. Fryer and I do uh, when we talk about Bing, which is to kind of look at it as, a so Bing, huh? And I, I will just go ahead and say that one of the reasons why that's the case isn't our distaste for Microsoft stuff. In fact, there's plenty of cool things in the Microsoft arena. It's that it's just not as good of a search engine as other uh, commercially available alternatives, which includes Google. Um, and if I do a side-to-side search comparison, um, then um, uh, Google um Uh, uh, that Google always uh, uh, provides uh, easier access to the right answers to what I'm looking for in in search. And if you wanted something less effective, I would actually not uh, gravitate towards Bing. I would actually gravitate towards DuckDuckGo because that is a privacy-based search. and, And it does zero tracking. And Microsoft, like its corporate competitors, you know, some of what they are raising money on is, is collection and utilization of your data. I mean, that when you're setting up Windows 10 or Windows 11, one of the things it asks you to do as part of its standard setup is to set up an advertiser ID. So that's a, a method of tracking you um, across advertising properties. And I get that the internet runs on ads, right? That's a, a something we've talked about a lot here on the podcast. But the bottom line is, is that, um, I, if, if I'm going to trade my data, I want the service to at least work for, you know, in a way that is, is, is really high end. So what, what is going to happen is that, um, uh, uh, that you have to sign up for a beta, which I did. You can go to bing.com and sign up for a beta. Uh, it does ask you, um, and I didn't do this. And so I may have to do this just to, to see if I can, but myself higher on the list. It does ask you to download the Bing app. Um, which is available on Android and iOS um, uh, and sign in with that. I think maybe it's, that's a, well, it's funny because being shot up to the top of uh, mobile um, app uh, uh, top 10 lists uh, in the last 24 hours because of that. So you clearly had a reason to do that beyond just doing uh, uh, beyond just saying this is where we're going to have the AI available, but based on everything I've seen so far in regards to the demos Um, You know, there are some bizarre answers, but it works kind of like the chat GPT search, or I'm sorry, interface that you can ask it questions, you know, couple with answers. And I think the part of the goal here is to aggregate all this information together um, uh, in in one screen. So not only do you have the AI response, but you also would have uh, available to you the traditional search engine part of this. Now, I want to highlight one other article, Wes, before we, we kind of bring you into this. This is from um, uh, The Verge. Uh, Tom Warren writes today in The Verge, in his article, Hands-On with the New Bing, Chat's a step above chat GPT, that uh, yes, there is obviously uh, 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 AI-powered responses to things, and um uh, uh, It's kind of a conversation back and forth. So it's like it's part search engine, part conversation engine. But what um, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Warren highlighted was that there's also going to be buttons available in most of the Microsoft Office products that do pretty interesting things. Um, to help you uh, uh, integrate the, uh, the kind of generative AI into your, uh, you know, daily routines with office products. So, for example, uh, Tom Warren today or yesterday tweeted, I just asked Microsoft's Bing AI to create a resignation letter for me because AI stole my job and wow. And um, you know, that there is is, is <laughs> the possibilities here, right? Like, and, and he said he wrote a a good letter. He said it gave him more options. And if you look at the screenshot he shared, that screenshot is pretty legitimately way more options than you have right now. Um, including it, it's, it's in their discover panel that it's going to be integrated into all these uh, services. But uh, when you're composing something, you can uh, choose the format as a paragraph, an email, a blog post, a list of ideas. You can choose the length, um, you know, with, with buttons and options there uh, the tone, whether it's professional, casual, enthusiastic, informational, or funny. And then it starts to, you um, uh, it starts to to generate that, and if you like what you're seeing, um, uh, you can then add that information back into your document in an automated way. And again, in December, when we first started talking about this, I thought this was an important thing because uh, it, it's going to be integrated into Canva at some point. Not yet into Canva for education, but Canva, with over 100 million users on Earth, has this magic a writer component that allows you to generate text like this. That seemed to me to tell you that this is coming to a classroom near you. you. But if you're a Microsoft school, right, and you're using uh, either online or, or app versions of Word or PowerPoint or Excel, this is coming to a, a, a office product near you. And we'll talk about uh, uh, Google's Bard here in a couple of moments too, but that's the vision there too, is that these are this is not going to be a site you go to to talk back and forth and try to get it to tell you a dirty joke. It's, a, it's available generative AI now in the tools we're already using with our students. So this is not a, a 2029 problem. This is a 2023 discussion we need to be having now. So, mini rant over with Dr. Fryer to you, kind sir. Oh, my gosh. Um,
1: Had I written my mom's uh, obituary as of last show? I don't think I had. I used, yeah, I used ChatGPT to summarize it. So, I wrote a a pretty long, um, you know, detailed obituary. Um, Her memorial service is coming up this month. Uh and I saved some time by uh having ChatGPT go ahead and summarize it. I edited it. I didn't, you know, just go with, with what it uh with what it said to do. Um but it was uh it was powerful. I think that today well <laughs> one of my two links for today, uh Google had an event today called um well let's see it was from Paris. I think it was just called Live from Paris. Uh, Google presents live from Paris. Um, and I, I didn't get through the whole thing. I, uh, actually just started watching. It's about 38 minutes, but I think this is a response to what we're talking about here. Uh, I think that, um, we were talking just right before the show, uh, Google seems to have been taken by some surprise along with the rest of us with how good chat GPT is, um, and, you know, the, the first eight minutes that I showed, I'm sure we'll talk more about this ne- um, next week, <clears throat> is talking about your cameras, your new keyboard, being able to search visually, uh, languages, not just having to be constrained to a single language to search, but Google being able to use its AI tools to, um, you know, uh, allow for, for language search, um, you know, across however many languages they're, they're doing now, which is, which is incredible. I think one of, the, one of the really important things to recognize with all this, though, is that ChatGPT itself and the creators with OpenAI are not claiming, hey, this is the new search and we are, as this podcast I'm about to share claims, the arbiter of truth. Um, I have just been listening today to uh, a new podcast called Arbiter of Truth, and this is the episode chat GPT tells all I was listening to this, uh, as I wash dishes tonight, um, this episode is a, is a dialogue, at least in the first half that I've listened to with chat GPT. So they're giving voice through speech to text technologies and having an interactive dialogue with chat GPT chat GPT is regularly telling them. and, And if you've used it for, for many things, you've probably seen this too, where it's saying, you should vet this with other sources. I'm a language model um, that you know doesn't have access to information newer than 2021. I can't have opinions of my own. We are basically, as a society, wanting this to be G- the AGI, which is Artificial General Intelligence. We're wanting this to be able to be the arbiter of truth, to be able to, to give us all the answers. We're really excited that it's able to give us such transformative answers that are just qualitatively different than what we've had from a search engine or from any other kind of chatbot or algorithm for that matter. And so I think that one of the things that we need to do as educators and just as citizens of the world and people, uh, we need to play with this. We need to continue to explore this, <clears throat> but I also think that we should be wary of In the same way that facial recognition has a lot of problems, um, especially with respect to underrepresented populations uh, and minority groups, for instance, African-Americans, they haven't used African-American faces in as many AI uh, facial recognition algorithms. And so there's a lot more errors um, when it comes to recognition of of, of African-Americans. This is problematic when we're talking about using this for for crime. you know, people that are, are trying to put the brakes on the use of some of these kinds of tools, uh, I think are – I think that those voices are needed, and I think that we need to play with this. I totally agree with what you're saying, Jason. This is transformative. I don't – I mean, you know, Peggy said at the beginning she loves the rabbit holes. I do too. I mean, this Wednesday evening session is, is the chance that Jason and I, you know – process headlines and and learn things that we just you know wouldn't have known otherwise because we're each looking at different things throughout the week. I think it's essential. And I, I bet we're going to be talking about this for a long time because as I think we might have said last show, this is the most important technological development in years and years and certainly of of our current time. And so I am ready to go to, to Bing. I'm ready to give it a shot. I've had, I've, re- I've I think I've told on the show before, I've, I've had some actual bad experiences downloading malware from Bing on a Windows machine. That was like my last major uh, time to be using it just because it was convenient. And I happened to be on a Windows 10 box that I was trying to set up. Um, but I'm ready to give it a shot. And, and literally the, f- one of the first things, and this is, I'm not alone with this, that I thought when I, um, use chat GPT for the first time is when am I going to get this in search? Is this going to replace search? And then my second big idea is when is this going to be on my smart speaker? Because, yeah. the, the, but again, that's a wish for truth. That's a wish for a search engine replacement. That's a wish for, Hey, I'm ready for artificial general intelligence. So as much as we wring our hands about, you know, terminators and science fiction and AI being a replacement or whatever, I think it's kind of maybe eye opening to see how many people are just gaga over this you know to the point where you know not not only is is like you said this is you know top searched app and you just some I think in this episode of the, the that podcast I I referenced they're talking about you you just can't avoid articles all over the place, you know, about chat GPT journalists can't talk about it enough. And I think that the fact that we are so hungry for this tool um, to, uh, you know, make our, make our lives easier. It, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I have the words for it, but it's like, we're, we're leaping into the future, jumping into the deep end. And while that's exciting, I think that the voices that are saying, wait a minute, this is a language model. And we're regularly hearing disclaimers to say, you know, you need to vet this. Don't, you know, you don't say this. Don't, 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 you know, base uh, massive life decisions on these kind of things. But the power of this, and I've used this with some of my children who are, who are in school doing some studying. One of them was working on a, a debate, a debate topic. And I said, well, let me do this. And her, her teachers put sort of the fear of God into them about, you know, using, chat gpt so i'm like okay well i'm gonna look at it and because this is really good results and let's talk about these ideas because this can really you know help you prepare for what you're about to for what you're about to do so yeah anyway those are those are a few thoughts and i appreciate you know the way that you've do, dove into this because isn't it going to be exciting to share the closing keynote uh, at any at ncce you know to be able to probably dive into i'm going to expect some some different aspects of this that's beyond the, let's wave our hands and say the sky is falling. We can't assign essays like we have for, you know, centuries in in schools and institutions of higher learning.
0: And in fact, we are, uh, uh, NCC is expanding its, its AI sessions. And so there's at least uh, four sessions now on AI. And then I'll be talking about it during my closing keynote there and in part because I, I really do want people to seize the day here and i won't go into the same rant i've gone through the last couple of weeks but there's just a lot of ways i feel like we we lost a lot, a lot of a lot of uh, lost a lot of interesting opportunities when we started embracing the internet 25 years ago in classrooms and i just don't want to make those same mistakes again and i feel like we we have a real opportunity here to help our students embrace this tool in a way that's going to make a positive impact in their life, um, and if you need any evidence that perhaps we we didn't do enough in schools, you know the the situation we're in right now with social media, I think is a. Uh, um, uh, uh, a whole different piece of this so um, I, I want to point out there's just there's so much to do here it's almost like this week in AI over here but um, a, a we can couple- change the name of the show I can make it we, we got Canva baby we can go make a new logo <laughs> yeah totally um, a couple things that I want to also highlight um, first and foremost I thought there was a funny article from PC Gamer uh, on, on February 3rd and um, a student uh, uh, has created a three or i'm sorry a student has created an auto pen feature with a 3d printer that handwrites um uh, responses out on notebook paper and the the couple of things that i think are super uh, interesting here there's always been auto well not always but uh the auto pen is a, is a very common thing uh for example i i i happen to know i've received a couple of of, of actually i've received a note from uh, in some way shape or form from from the last three governors in the state of montana as part of my work in education and i know those are auto penned right they may have actually even typed out what the message is supposed to say but that has been largely um auto penned Define- auto pen for everybody auto pen is a machine that takes an actual pen and writes out responses on paper like a card and the auto pens themselves aren't all that expensive the super fancy ones can be tens of thousands of dollars but you can get an auto pen for a thousand bucks um that does a really excellent job well what this guy made uh was essentially a 3d printed auto pen system and what's interesting about this, and of course, everyone, you know, that that, that i seen discussing this particular article, hands were ringing left and right, and well, you can tell that that's a font, and it's like, well, you, maybe, but, um, you know, you can get fonts made based on your handwriting but there's there's apps you can download on ios and android that will create a true type font for you based on handwriting you draw onto an app that that's been around for a long time um but also that's not the larger point right the larger point is is that you know we can't start an arms race with our students about utilizing these tools right because the bottom line is is that that technology will continue to march on right in the same way that we can't say you know don't use the internet for research don't use the internet to interact don't use the internet to publish um or or, or do things scholarly because the internet will catch up at some point point. and i feel like that's what ai kind of is in regards to the invention of the internet but you know we, we can't start this notion of um you know uh saying that that this this one block or uh, uh banning it in school or saying we're only going to handwrite things that's not the solution to this 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 problem it is a problem um maybe in a different way that uh, that, that i see it uh, uh, i would imagine i'm i'm a little more uh, pro, or, or i guess accepting of the technology than classroom teachers um, um Uh, The bottom line is that uh, these these are still coming to a a classroom new year, whether you like them or not. So um, and by the way, I hope this kid gets a job somewhere uh, designing uh, this kind of stuff. Like what a clever uh, maker project.
1: Let's let's use some voices to uh, talk about how, you know, a standard institutional response to this might be.
0: We're not going to be able to
1: use these tools at all. What are we going to do? Well, we gotta block them? What's New York yeah. done? Oh, they blocked ChatGPT. What's LA done? They blocked it. Let's get to blocking, guys. I mean, yeah, that's that's not yeah. going to be the constructive response that's gonna move us into the future and allow our students and our teachers to invent the future, which is by the way, an important thing that we ought to be thinking about.
0: Right. And I have to say, I don't blame folks at at, at kind of the the block first gut reaction because this first, is ask questions later. Blowing. uh well that's exactly it right but if you're not using that time afterwards to then start engaging in a meaningful conversation about how this stuff works i just think you really are um wasting an opportunity here uh to do something interesting and amazing um with with this technology so okay so that that's a rabbit hole and then this one wes I, I don't even know where to begin with it because this one absolutely blew my mind. So um, uh, there's been a lot of kind of meta talk about about AI uh, and, and what it can, can do and can't do and restrictions placed on it. And um, as an example, I, I've seen charts of you can make fun of this country, but you can't make fun of that country in, in chat AIs. So you can ask it to write jokes about Americans, but you can't ask it to write jokes about Mexicans, right? Like this that, is the holy this is the, the ra- rabbit hole at the top. Yeah, this is the rabbit. rabbit hole. Right. Okay. So, you know, and, and, and over the last several months, um, the, the uh, uh, hold on one second. My dog is, is actually blue. Get out of there. Hey, great um, question. Okay. OK. Oh, go ahead. Peggy's
1: just, why would someone want to make the teacher think they wrote their homework by hand, I guess?
0: Yeah, that's exactly it, uh, Peggy, is that um, the point of that is to, you know, mimic the handwriting part of this so that it could have possibly been GPT. and by the way, you could also copy things off of a screen with your hand, too, uh, uh, and handwrite it uh, from 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 the screen as well, but um, I won't go into the rabbit hole, the, I'm sorry, the further rabbit hole about, you know, what limits we should be placing on this or not, or you can joke about who you can't. That's, that's a discussion for, for, for uh, I would imagine, another time and place. But the point is, is that there are now people working on something they're called jailbreaking. And jailbreaking is a long time term that's been utilized in computers. And essentially what it is, is that it's a, a workaround of technical limitations, Uh, So, for example, uh, there was a community in uh, the iOS world. So we're talking about early iPhones, early uh, iPod touches that um, wanted to be able to install third-party apps um, on their phones. And and you may remember back if you were an early iPhone user, the first year of iPhone, there were no third-party apps on there. In fact, Steve Jobs famously said in his um, uh, iPhone introduction speech that you don't want third-party apps on your phone. You just want the the good stuff that 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 Mama Apple makes for you, right? So uh, <laughs> that of course ended because of in part because of jailbreaking, and now we have a world that kind of runs on apps, right? But uh, jailbreaking allows you to bypass security measures and do something different with the software. So what the jailbreak is here is that there are people that have been working on a long prompt that essentially tells ChatGPT to stop being ChatGPT and you're gonna adopt a, a, a like a moniker or a personality or a persona they call Dan. And Dan stands for, uh, I forget actually what Dan stands for, it's something about anything or uh, there's no limitation, something along those lines. So there's this great Reddit thread that sends, like, really long instructions. This is... uh, Do anything uh, now, is Dan. Yeah, okay, do anything now, right? So Dan will do anything you tell it to do, and they've been tweaking these instructions, and they keep typing them in, and now, um, uh, whenever you talk to, or whenever you put these instructions in, and it it actually makes makes Dan respond back with what it would have typed in without Dan, and what Dan would say. And it uh, and it, it absolutely works. You type this long phrase, copy and paste it into chat GPT, start talking with it, and it'll say, well, here's what I would have said, and now here's what Dan's gonna say, and Dan has no limits. Folks,
1: you may have heard it here first. In November, we had a high-level representative, employee of OpenAI come talk at our school. He blew my mind wide open. Uh, One of the things that he said was that the the AI will hallucinate and they're not sure exactly how to deal with that because it will create things that are not real and it's sometimes hard to discern what those are. Number two, you can bypass the guardrails by asking it to basically joke and be humorous and you there are ways to to gamify and get it to to bypass the the rules that podcast that i put the link into um chad gpt tells all from arbiters of truth that's what they're talk. that's one of the things that they're talking about Our researchers that are pushing the limits and finding ways for instance to get it to um be be racist and anti-semitic or uh, you know, do do other things that the programmers and it will say things. Hey, we see a dog tail in there. Um, the 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 creators of of gpt at OpenAI have explicitly put in ethical guardrails to try and, um, for instance, not promote uh, violent content or content that promote self harm or misogyny or racism or, or any of these things. So. I mean, at one level, it seems a bit lamentable that that's what we're going to do with research is we're going to try to make it horrible. But on the other hand, I guess, you know, this is like, you know, peer review. You're going to subject it to the um, creativity and the imagination and the hypotheses of the world and, you know, see what it does. Um, so yes, Peggy hallucinate. That was the word that he used. And I've, I've read that too. And that's, it's also one of the, it's a disclaimer. Remember chat GPT is a language model. It's been trained mainly on languages and it's not being touted as the arbiter of truth. It's a generative AI language model that's able to, sift through millions and millions of of documents and identify patterns and and predict but it's it's also able to be apparently creative in somewhat creepy ways that make you feel like you are interacting with another entity that might be conscious or sentient it's not but it has that sense so hey and betsy's there welcome betsy we're glad to have you join us
0: so a couple other uh, uh, big, big AI articles this week. I really like this article. Um, it's from Vox on February 2nd and from Peter, Peter Kafka, who we've actually uh, cited a couple times here on the podcast. But Mr. Kafka uh, writes a really interesting article about the AI boom is here and so are the lawsuits. And um, uh, it's, not, <laughs> it's not surprising that there's a, a huge legal angle to this, but... Um, uh, there's a couple of ways that that and we've talked about this in, in some some way shape or form in the last couple of weeks. but the first of course, is that a lot of creators, writers, uh, musicians, artists are very mad because they feel as though AI was trained off of their art and it can now generate things that look awfully close. Uh, to, you know, things that they would complete themselves.
1: And to be clear, it, it it's not like it was. Like Greg Rakowski is that uh, sci-fi um, fantasy uh, author that there was a Vox article yes. we talked about multiple weeks ago, and it's true. Go into Mid Journey or another one of these generative AI things, put in Wizard you know, Fights Dragon, <clears throat> see that, and then put in Wizard Fights Dragon Greg Rakowski and it's unbelievable, and it looks just like his his artwork. So yeah, very
0: very legitimate
1: claims and complaints of artists.
0: Yes. So um, uh, so that that's obviously a huge piece of this. Uh, the other piece of this is the the content that's actually generated uh, by AI, and uh, that also uh, inspires a whole new uh, piece of 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 uh, intrigue as it relates to AI and and content creation. And um, uh, uh, part of the, the challenge here is that no one really knows who owns AI-generated materials. And that, that harkens back to an article we talked about a couple of weeks ago um, about this. And so you're going to start to see um, uh, 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 pretty extraordinary... Um, uh, uh legal fight over trying to put some boundaries around these technologies and that's not unlike the internet itself uh you know 30 years ago when it was starting to come to prominence that once the internet went from an interesting terminal- based activity to uh, something that was visual uh, with the creation of the web browser and html that changed it quite a bit and in fact you know copyright was one of the earliest concerns of, of, of a lot of content uh, uh, owners and creators because they're seemingly was no way to protect your content, and a lot of ways are still not. But um, that that's going to be a part of this process too. I think of it in terms of uh, all the controversy that happens over Teachers Pay Teachers and uh, the number of people that have released resources for free that was then uh, 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 redesigned and put up on Teachers Pay Teachers. I've read a lot of accounts of uh, publishers that feel like their copyright and and intellectual property was violated uh, by uh, uh, third-party education material markets. And, um, uh, to be honest, I could probably create a resource, uh, within an hour, uh, that did all the heavy lifting of a teacher's pay, teacher's resource with very little, um, uh, effort on my part. Uh, the design matters too, to a certain extent, but there's part of that as well. So I think that's another piece of this that we're going to have to keep an eye on.
1: Don't forget your geek of the week, sir. Um, wow. Okay. Um... Let's just keep going. Should we do we need to jump into something else or uh...
0: yeah, let me let me give a couple other quick ones. These are just a lot of g whizzes. Um, first and foremost, lots of interesting tools uh are coming around. Um, uh, China, for example, uh, has has, has uh, or Chinese tech companies have announced that it, it will have its own answer to chat GPT. It's called Ernie, is the name of, of the bot Ernie? Or Yep, it's the Ernie bot. Um, Ernie stands for Enhanced Representation through Knowledge Integration. Will uh, Bert? Will Bert be the sidekick? That that's a good question. So and <laughs> and and uh, how big are their ears? Would be the other question I'd have at this point. But um, uh, a little double on Tantra there. But the uh, apparently they're going to have their own piece of this at some point. So uh, as you know, uh, Google has announced that that their tool is called Bard. There's ChatGPT that's backed by Microsoft. I think you're going to start to see ecosystems in this and the ecosystems that connect to other pieces. In fact, um, uh, uh, Baidu, which is uh, kind of a a Google-like product in China, that it has a, a wide variety of applications, not unlike Google or Microsoft, for that matter, will also have... That alone, And then I see dozens of, uh, of products every week that, you know, are new and evolving and, and new AI, and this is generative AI, and it's interesting AI, but this one really caught my interest the other day. Uh, this is a, a web-based video um, tool that's called Runway. And they are going to be releasing a new subset tool called Gen 1, which is the next that they say the next step forward for generative AI. And essentially it uses um, uh, uh, existing video clips, right, plus your images and your instructions to auto-generate um, uh, video. And the they show several examples of this. Um, on their website but it it, it's absolutely unbelievable um you'll be able to take like a cartoon for example and upload it and say i want to uh mimic this cartoon and you share a video of yourself uh uh doing what you're doing and then it overlays the cartoon image on you and uh, essentially allows you to um uh, to to create a a, a a video image of that, it has another bo- a board called or another mode called storyboard, where uh, you could set up like Legos, for example, and uh, in, in 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 kind of storyboard positions and then overlay other kinds of images over the top of it to mimic uh, 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 video uh, pieces. It has a mask mode where it shows a demo off of a dog walking in a yard, and you could take the generative AI and add spots to it, for example, to make the dog look differently. Um, it, it's just, it's full of, of really stunning tricks uh, that you know right now computer gener- 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 generated imagery uh, has the power to do most of these things, but I would imagine is extraordinarily time uh, consuming and requires you know uh, uh, a masterful uh, use of 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 animation tools. So I thought that looked pretty darn interesting.
1: So on that note, uh, do we talked I talked last week, didn't I about the uh, Seinfeld uh, twitch? nothing forever?
0: Uh, yeah, I yeah I yeah, i we talked about that last week. so okay. I'm sharing that with everyone I know. Well, okay. So here's the update from
1: Mashable on uh, February 6th: AI-generated Seinfeld parody suspended by Twitch for transphobic content. Um, so Twitch has some rules, and you know you're uh, you're not supposed to um, you know be, be ugly. Uh, you're not supposed to have transphobic content, and so um, the two-week Twitch ban. And what they claim uh, the uh, the uh, folks running this is that they were in the midst of doing a, sort of a switchover of their code base. And uh, as, as you may recall, this is an eight bit. So let's think, think like Atari uh, 2600 days. Yeah. Uh, Sword quest. Yeah. Play that. Uh, it was pretty bad. Uh, so, so really crummy graphics, but still uh, the main characters of the eight season, you know, Seinfeld show, Um, but these are new shows that have never been created before, including a laugh track and the AI is actually generating them based upon all the pattern recognition and the smart learning that it's been able to do in analyzing eight different episodes. And this is sort of the future in terms of the holodeck with, you know, also probably virtual reality and things like that. Um, but again, another sign of sort of the envelope and the edge being pushed, but also like, where is the edge not going to be there, right? Because you can be sure there's going to be people and there's going to be a market for guard rail-less uses of these kinds of technologies. So I that was a sign of the times as well.
0: Very much. And then one more set of links, and then I think we need to, to send AI away for the week. But um, there was a, a, a pretty interesting article in... Um, the inter- I think it's the International Business Times. You have the I- IBT on January thirty first, and Four um, Chan, which is uh, kind of a um, um, uh, a bulletin
1: board a, without moderation.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's very free speech driven. Let's put it that way. And um, they had found um, a, 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 an artificial intelligence speech software called Eleven Labs, which uh, claims to create the most realistic and versatile audio content. Um, uh, uh, they apparently trained that software on um, um, uh, or, or train that software on celebrity voices, including um, uh, uh, some members of Congress, and then posted. Uh, some of those uh, 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 voices onto the 4chan message boards and uh, engage in some shenanigans, let's put it that way. And we've been talking about deep fakes for a a long time on this podcast, which is the idea of video and or pictures and or audio that purports to be someone it's not, that's computer generated. And the early deep fakes uh, were pretty obvious, um, but this generative AI technology, I would imagine, can't help but to make this that much more complex of a situation because the bottom line is is that that's a lot of what these technologies purport to do right they can take one set of videos or one set of 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 still images or written description and use it based on everything it knows about what it's visually learned about before turn it into uh moving or 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 still images
1: oh my uh, let's just do a little connection to not only the classroom, but the home, and say that we need to be revisiting our filter settings. We need to be sitting down with our children or grandchildren, taking a look at search history, looking at um, even just the home screens uh, with TikTok. Um, I've had a couple incidents the last couple weeks at school involving the violent misogynist Andrew Tate. I will say his name. And what's crazy? What is crazy? Jason, and I be- became aware of this, you know, months ago. That because of AI and speech to text technologies, everything we say on this show, because we were live streaming and archiving to both Facebook and YouTube, you know, is is searchable. It's Googleable. It's Bingable. Is that going to be a term now, Jason? <laughs> the ChatGPT is going to going to put into our lexicon. Anyway, um, the 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 separation between content that we would find inappropriate for school and maybe for any context. Uh, And, you know, students and and just people of of any age is less than it it ever has been. And so as as these tools are put into our hands and people are exploring with them and doing all kinds of things, um, we want to be you know, in constant conversation with each other about where we're going, what we're doing and, uh, you know, who, who's influencing our lives, um, not to push a moral panic button, but, you know, we talk about rabbit holes and we get into them here with AI. There's a lot of rabbit holes that you can get into and social media's algorithms are actually designed for engagement and attention. And, uh, sometimes that means that some of the, uh, the more outlier content is, is going to be things that, you know, you're going to be quickly presented with, and you're going to potentially spend a lot of time with. So yes, we need to be talking about digital citizenship in school and at home. Unbelievable. Okay. PSA over. We are what? 41 minutes in great collection of links, man. Holy cow. Why? Thank you. Um, Oh,
0: well, let's uh, let's do kind of a thing that could transition us to a lot of different directions. 9to5Mac uh, and about everyone else in the tech media uh, reported uh, today and last night that in President Biden's State of the Union address last evening, uh, he essentially promised that they're going to get some kind of regulation of big tech down. And what I thought was interesting about that was that um, they started off by talking about the protection of... Uh, uh, the, the, the privacy of people under the age of 18, which is absolutely of zero controversy to anyone. Uh, nobody believes that, um, that we should be utilizing technology to track our students, uh, for, for advertising or commercial purposes. Um, but after that, he dug in a little more deeply and said that in general, more laws to protect your privacy, more laws to protect your data, more laws to prevent, uh, folks from, uh, uh, um, uh, trading on your data is is coming. So we've heard that one before. Um, and, I, and I don't think that's anything new. There does seem to be um, a little more bipartisan focus on this issue than has been in the past. There's clearly folks in, in Congress that have no interest in regulating big tech. But it seems like if it's one thing that could be a bipartisan issue in this upcoming session, everyone seems to have something to say about how the government should be regulating technology. So interesting that that's an issue. Yes, um, I did. I did not
1: actually watch the State of the Union. I was just catching some uh, NPR on the way home um, about it. It sounded like it was one of the more contentious and just uh, lots of banter. It it sounded a bit, you know, British Parliament like you know, a little little less formal than what we had heard before. it and it will be super interesting. This is one of the things that NPR was talking about. Are are there any you know areas of uh, of mutual agreement where they can find compromise? So perhaps perhaps this is one, and I would I would say looking to Europe and some of the things that they have done with privacy, um, the pendulum has swung so long towards basically you know corp- you know corporations and and larger businesses and just just business in general, and we really just haven't had that pushback. So um, not to be political, but I I kind of hope we're going to see some movement forward on that, and I think that those of us that are involved in Looking at these issues, trying to understand these issues, probably we, we we have a responsibility to try to be in touch with our elected representatives and try to share some perspectives that we would have about that. So it is it's, it's difficult. I was on a, a teacher's um, what's called TIP teachers. They're from the Pacific Northwest actually, uh, and I was on their webinar with Kate Starbird on Monday night, and I asked her about Section three, was it three twenty? Um, And, and, you know, where she stands on that. And it's, it's hard, it's difficult. Uh, and, and usually whenever there's regulation, there's unintended consequences as well. So who knows, but it, it, you know, we've had, the, how long has it been since the social dilemma, Jason, like two years and, yeah. you know, the, so we need some privacy protection and some privacy laws in the United States. And if that, if we start around kids, uh, you know, maybe that, maybe that's a good place to start.
0: And, you know, the bottom line, too, is that prepare for things in the Internet to cost more because of it. And uh, while I find that a little sad, I it's 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 I think we need to embrace it. I think it's the only way we free ourselves from the um, um, the the term you use, Dr. Fryer, to talk about Internet capitalism. Uh, sur- uh,
1: surveillance capitalism, the attention uh, economy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Surveillance capitalism. Um, I think that, 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 uh, I think that's a worthwhile trade in, in my humble opinion.
1: Yeah. Hey, let me do this next one that you put in, uh, about the 4,000 character. That's uh, where I want to go to. Yeah. And I'm going to give a shout out to Peggy George who had alerted me to this, uh, when that was rumored <clears throat> and I guess it's now real. So, uh, according to the verge on February 8th, uh, Twitter blue subscribers, I do not think Jason counts himself in that group. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. Uh, can now write 4,000 character tweets. Uh, I think that this is just stupid. Um, one of the most <laughs> important things, I'll just, I'm not going to hold back on this one. Uh, I think one of the most important uh, things about Twitter that's made it great Uh, And it's given it its uniqueness has been its character limit. And that increased what from 140 to 240. Uh, I know it's 240. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I shared that app, the um, uh, text, whatever it was, it's the one that's the text split. Uh, And you can, you don't have to connect it to Twitter. So you can put 500 in there as the character limit and post to Mastodon. you can You could you could put two. Well, I still do two hundred forty to post a threat when you've got something long that needs to be broken up. But um, you know, I just this is sort of the IKEA. um, You know, little I've seen that on a sign. You know, creativity thrives in constraints. There's all kinds of ways that that folks have found ways to you know, work within, within those constraints, but the constraints of 240 characters really define Twitter. And honestly, that not, not the editability, but I just, I mean, it's like Musk is just floundering around, flapping his arms, you know, trying, trying to guess, to make things better. And I know that we talk about, you know, iteration and engineering design and, and maybe they're going to land on something, but one of the most important things he needs to try to do is, is to monetize and and maybe he's going to be able to do that, but um, as i said a couple weeks ago i'm really in the process of stepping away from twitter like and tonight for instance i've i've been sharing on Mastodon, um, you know all of our articles uh, with shout outs to to jason and our EdTechSR channel <sighs> i think this is i don't think this is good and i'm not excited about it do you have thoughts
0: um i it's silly i mean i i you know i i liked it when we went from from when we double the number of characters right i think that made sense because i do think it's made when you're trying to discuss something um on twitter today uh it, it makes it a little more rich right and easier to do and i also like the threads in twitter uh which i think is you know if you don't like threads you don't have to open one right like you have a lot of choice there but yeah i i'll be highly disappointed if uh it ends up at some point then i'm gonna have to scroll through you know, someone who pays $8 a month and their 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 diatribe of, you know, longer text, I mean, I think longer text belongs in another format, right? Like it should be on a blog or you could do, uh, well, I mean, the, the number of places now where you can effectively do a blog that doesn't look like a blog anymore, right? Yeah, I think it ruins the system too. And it, Peg,
1: Peggy shares this 9 to 5 Mac article that, that uh, caused Twitter to crash today well, um, when it went live after Twitter Launched its huge increase in max character to 4,000. Many users aren't able to tweet. Peggy comments, it's crazy. I'm sure he's preparing to start charging for Twitter. And, you know, uh, Twitter, Twitter Blue is the subscription base. Uh, I think that, you know, they're going to continue to have a freemium model. Um, that's just the model of the majority, I think, of apps that make money and and many websites that do. Um, you've got a freemium model, and then you've got a, a paid tier. And Yeah. You just I'm going to try to, to get folks on that paid tier. So he's going to try to continue to incentivize folks to come over to to Twitter Blue. But if that's causing the platform as itself to get unstable, I mean, and this is one of the fears that people have had. He's you know fired and and scared off and chased off so many smart engineers and knew so many things about Twitter's infrastructure. Um, and if you listen, I don't know if you've listened to some different podcasts and and read about some of these meetings that that people were in when you know the ridiculously arrogant claims that musk had about being able to understand all of this and not needing you know people to educate him and tell him stuff and he just you know thinks he's so smart um you know maybe he's gonna have to walk walk this back or maybe they'll figure this out from an engineering standpoint there's a lot of smart people and i'm sure they're being you know the folks that are there are not you know uh earning money like a public school teacher in north carolina so you know i think they've got a lot of potential to to still figure this out, but
0: yeah. I am not energized and excited by that. 4, yeah, limit. I feel the exact same way. So, um, so yeah, these tools, uh, it's complicated, right? Yeah, it is. Um,
1: I think I, I also want to do this plug. Um, I'm not going to name names, but I have known some school administrators in the past who have entirely... Refused to have anything at all to do with social media. And in in one case, this is a high school administrator. I think it is so important for us as educators to have some working experience and some background knowledge, which, which needs to come from experience with social media. So I'm not saying everybody has to be on TikTok. I'm not saying everyone has to be on Facebook. But if you are a public educator working with young adults today, um, and and specifically teenagers, let's talk about in high school and and middle school, and you are a complete um, Luddite when it comes to social media and refusing to do anything with it at all, um, you're, you're basically trying to make yourself irrelevant in so many different conversations because social media is the dominant means of gathering information, uh, sharing information uh, for the younger generation and increasingly for the older generation. And so I just can't say strongly enough how important it is that we play with media, that we have some experiences with social media, uh, and we're able to engage intelligently in conversation. Let's think about our uh, congressmen that sometimes say some really, really stupid things when they have you know CEOs of tech companies in front of them and appear to not realize things like, their companies based on advertising or, you know, really, really foundational things. So let's, let's get out there and play with media folks and let's have these conversations and, um, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about how we can effectively, uh, you know, leverage them for learning, but also help prepare students to be successful, um, in the world because the world
0: is dominated by the hyperlink today. Shock. There you go. (laughs) okay well um let's see looking at our list here uh, let me do a couple of quick uh, interesting um uh, Google articles let's let's punt until next time on whatever the the stuff they announced today was because uh, yeah. I would like the opportunity to look through that well
1: we did I could do the preview you put you put the one from last week about Google Lens and maps view yes actually uh, yeah
0: there's two two that that i would love to talk about so yeah. the first one is um actually i think you put this in there originally yeah. um not you could go do that one
1: okay so this is uh nine to five google on february 1st google says lens and maps live view are prelude to its long-term vision for ar and so um, this, you know, preceded today's live event, which, as Jason said, we'll we'll watch the. Uh, it's only thirty minutes, so it's not like a three-hour, you know, Apple event or something. Um, we'll we'll uh, check that out, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of articles talking about it. But um, you know, Lens is this technology that allows for. Uh, visual search. And I don't know if you're doing this much, Jason, but I'm doing this much more frequently where I'll take a picture of something that has text. And this is on my iPhone. Um, but then I'm going to, to highlight and and copy the text because, you know, the the technology is smart and, and enables that. And so um, lens is. Uh, I guess I'm trying to think of what, what um, Microsoft have. There's different, different analogs, but, but this is exciting because, you know, Google is who this is a company that brought us Google glass and Google glasses, which yes, that wasn't like, you know, world changing, but it, it definitely showed. And with an actual product that people had and used, and it was kind of before it's time it's some glimpses into what augmented reality uh, could, could have. And so, um, this uh, Google executive says AR and VR are integral to the new phase of computing as it can change the way we interact with people and information to get things done in the real world. So in terms of, you know, I I don't know, are you using Apple maps very much when you're navigating?
0: Well, I, I, I am now, I will say that I came back to the iPhone uh, with kind of a negative view of, of Apple maps because of how terrible it was its first two years of coming out, but it's a pretty solid product now.
1: Yeah. Betsy says in the chat that Google Lens is a great plant identifier, which is pretty, pretty cool. I need bird identifiers because, yeah, we're really old. We look at birds and we're excited. To, I had to fill my <laughs> bird feeder tonight. The birds are just going crazy here. Uh, but anyway, this whole thing of being able to augment the visual plane of what you're looking at because you actually have glasses on or, you know, maybe your watch is going off. And, you know, anyway, we're living in this era of augmentation where smart devices are able to, to, Hopefully in a timely and um, appropriate and and helpful way, you know, bring information to us that's going to make our lives easier, whether that's a turn by turn directions for, you know, going somewhere. Um, It's interesting because I've not the reason I like Apple Maps so much on trips is that you can share your live location right within the CarPlay interface um, it, they have haptic feedback so that your watch, you know, kind of buzzes to remind you when you've got a turn and stuff like that coming up, which I'm, I kind of get used to. And I'm still kind of an Apple maps guy. It's the whole, what's it called? Baby duck syndrome. (laughs) The baby duck is imprinted with its mama and you tend to just kind of use what you've used for a long time. So, Oh, look, Betsy says Merlin for birds. Okay, good. I need, there's been some (laughs) jump. hey this is the fun of the chat room yeah. uh there's been some uh, kickstarters of uh of ai powered bird feeders with with uh cameras that will activate uh, and then they will identify what birds you have and then if you've got a strange bird hey you're gonna get you're gonna find out i think one of those may be coming to a part of the friars backyard before long but i'll check out merlin for birds betsy thank you we'll count that as your geek of the week what else dr knifer we've got uh we got about five minutes
0: let's see here uh, oh they're a very interesting development in a uh, Chromebook world that, that uh, actually I thought this was where they are going a couple of years back and it looks like they're going to uh, kind of make it official but about Chromebooks reports on February 3rd and I've seen several articles on this in the past 48 hours and um, there are some, some good uh, screenshots that go with it but um, Microsoft 365 and, uh, and and OneDrive are, are, are going to be able to be better integrated into Chrome Chromebooks. and by that um, I'm not just talking about the notion of uh, the apps because they they've depreciated that strategy I thought a couple of years back that what Microsoft was going to try to do was become more relevant on Chromebooks by by installing apps that essentially uh, had similar functionality as the desktop apps on a Chromebook through the Android interface on on Chromebooks but instead they've uh, kind of gone all back into a web-based one. Uh, web-based strategy for the uh, Microsoft 365 uh, Office tools that are available online. Well, they're going to take that a step further now by allowing an integration of Microsoft OneDrive Uh, directly on a Chromebook. So if you want to set up Microsoft 365 on your Chromebook, all you need to do um, is is go through an interface. It will install Microsoft OneDrive as a a drive option on your Chromebook, just like Google Drive is. And then it will automatically open up uh, Office-compatible files in the web browser uh, in the Office-based interface. And I think Part of that might be related um, to their purchase of um, uh, Cloud Ready. Um, uh, uh, in the past, uh, we've talked about this several times. Uh, but CloudReady was a, a, a Chromium installation piece that was actually purchased by Google a couple years back and now that's Chrome OS Flex, the, the operating system that you can install on a, an old Mac or PC and turn it into a Chromebook. Um, it reminds me of some of the things that the CloudReady used to sell but I think that's awesome. I think it's a really good um, uh, uh, evolution of these tools and if you're someone like me that has to live in a, uh, a, a two system world because I, I work with a lot of organizations that, that use OneDrive and Microsoft tools, even though I'm a Chromebook guy, a lot of the time, um, I think this is a wonderful, uh, a strategy for Chromebooks.
1: As a related aside, this is the first time I've, I've done this. I'm using, I've used my URL shortener tonight, uh, because as I put things on the screen with the, um, you know, banners or whatever this is where you can just show, we can show comments, uh, this will show me clicks, and uh, this is pretty impressive out of Mastodon. We've got 283 clicks on the Reddit uh, rabbit hole article that you shared, Jason. Uh, the chat GPT, OpenAI, AI, Naps are 254, 138.6. That's this, this kind of cool. So, Well, oh, that's pretty cool. Hey, people are using uh, Mastodon, and we're doing shout-outs to uh, D- Dr. Knifer, the knife on Mastodon. So follow the knife on Mastodon.cloud. I think Dr. Knifer, although this is your show, so we can continue because hey, nobody's telling us we have to shut up. No,
0: yeah, we're at the top of the hour, so unless there's anything we have to do this week, we'll 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 punt to a future show. Uh, Dr. Fryer, what would you like to share with us this week for your Geek of the Week?
1: Okay, well, two quick ones. Um, I've started a new project, which is interesting for different reasons, uh, called Charlotte Voices, um, our our uh, acronym or whatever for our. Uh, Airport is CLT, so it's CLT Voices. And I wrote a post yesterday uh, called Zillow and Open Door. So I'm very interested in affordable housing, and um, it's actually kind of fun just to – create another WordPress blog uh, and kind of use a very simple theme and um, also be amplifying some other voices. But if you are at all interested in homelessness or affordable housing or confronting poverty in your community, um, there's some interesting things that are being shared here. And I uh, frequented a Irish pub and got some wisdom from the bartender there. And I shared a little bit about it, but there's a pretty good tech connection there with Zillow and open door and Anyway, check that out. And then this is one just because we talk about podcasts and uh, we should – maybe we should just do a show, Jason, where you and I share podcasts that we love, uh, that we really enjoy. But uh, Pocket Cast is the the, uh, podcatcher that Jason and I both really enjoy and use a lot. And it lets you share your actual – you know, list of, of podcasts and, and then you can eliminate some. So if there's something you're like, eh, I don't want to share these. So uh, you can go to my website, wiki.westfriar.com slash podcasts, or just wiki.westfriar.com and click the link on the side that says podcast. I mean, I do not listen to all of these cause there's like, you know, I think over 200 probably, but uh, the ones that I subscribe to, and one of the things I love about this, and I think this is such a great thing about our 21st century landscape is that by subscribing to these I just kind of scroll through them. And sometimes I'm not, not sure what I'm going to see. There's the regulars and we'll mention Security Now or the Twit podcast or, you know, I listen to the Daily a lot. But um, anyway, it's a it's a really powerful thing to find out a podcast that somebody likes. And um, yeah, that's how you can take a look at the ones that I do. So maybe Dr. Knifer on a future episode, you might be willing to uh, share some podcast recommendations or we could even think about doing a show about
0: that. Yep, I think that would be great. And then I want to share tonight, um, uh, my my wife and I are planning some trips for the next uh, year or so, and we're not quite back to our pre-COVID travel uh, uh, schedule, but it is likely that we will take a couple of trips in the next couple of months, both to visit family and then uh, see close family friends overseas, potentially in Scandinavia in June. Um, but one thing that I've noticed, and if you've not flown lately, airline tickets are really expensive and is... Uh, uh really, I think, an important uh, uh, strategy to be able to shop strategically. Uh, for your uh, ticket prices, otherwise you're going to pay a lot of money uh, uh, to fly in in 2023. And so, the strategy I recommend uh, to everyone is first, don't use third-party booking sites. Use only um, the uh, uh, airlines' websites to do that. You should create an account there, get a frequent flyer account if you don't have one already, and you know make sure you take advantage of the relationship you can build with an airline uh, via creating an account and then there's a way you can get all the functionality of a third-party booking site without actually booking with the third-party booking site and that's google flights google has a wonderful travel website google.com flights it not only allows you to compare different airlines and look at different pricing you can set alerts Uh, for pricing. So if it goes up or down substantially, it will email you and let you know. And I think I'm getting notifications on my phone too, because I have the Google uh, search app uh, that's downloaded um, on my uh uh iPhone but it's a wonderful way to travel um I recommend booking directly with the airline and Google Flights will will send you directly to the airline site with all the information the flight you want so you don't have to look it up again so uh Google Flights and then also book directly with airlines
1: that's fantastic. Uh, you know, Google Alerts was one of the first things I remember as Google, you know, took off and Web 2.0 and all that. And and that's still available. Uh, it's, yes. it's just google.com slash alerts or alerts.google.com. And yep. um, being able to track things like when your organization is mentioned in the news, when your name is mentioned, um, phenomenal. And I really love that about travel flight. So. Dr. Knifer regularly impacts my life in transformative ways with his Geeks of the Week, and I think Google Flights may fit into that category. Good job. Thanks. Okay,
0: Dr. Fryer, um, where can people find you on the interwebs?
1: Well, because of the new branding methods that if you're watching our live stream, you can see, uh, I have my Macedon, which is uh WFryer at Mastodon.cloud, but you can also just go to westfryer.com slash after, and I have a rather exhaustive list, but it doesn't have the new podcast that Shelly and I are doing, called Wes and Chili Shares, and I'll put that on there. But westfriar.com slash after
0: is the best place. How about you? Well, um, I am still uh, hanging on on Twitter, uh, Tech Savvy Teach, but I'm trying to to get Mastodon added into uh, my daily routine, and I'm – uh, knife, N-E-I-F, at Mastodon.cloud. But here is the EdTech Situation where We are a once-a-week podcast that broadcasts on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and somewhere in the middle of the night if you happen to be in Western Europe. If you can't join us live, and I wish you would, we're on YouTube and Facebook Live each and every week. You can find our podcast wherever podcasts are Finally aggregated or you can go um to our website edtechsr.com get a copy of our links every week get a tiny mp3 you can download and see uh, all things related to the show we hope you have a great week stay safe stay savvy and we will see you next time on the edtech situation room good night and thanks to our live viewers of course